Ladies and gents, uh, welcome back for another Engineers podcast. Uh, today, we've got the pleasure of uh, Andy uh, down at Cover, who's um, one of the senior backend engineers who's going to come and talk to us. So um, giving you a little bit of insight into Cover, imagine these guys and girls as um, flexible car insurance app that's making insurance radically better are their words. So Andy's going to give us a little bit of an intro into him, cover the role that he plays, the problem that they're solving in the industry, and um, some of the tech nuances around um, what they're building and other bits and pieces. So stay tuned. Andy, do you want to give us a hello? Hi, Dan. Yeah, very good. I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Very well. (laughs) Cool. Uh, give us a little bit into you, your role at Cover, and we'll touch on Cover and Absolutely. radically, radically better. That's a mouthful. Uh, insurance. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm Andy, and I'm one of the senior backend developers here. I've been here for just coming up to two years, um, and that I've been working on our subscription product for nearly all that time. So that's been right from the very initial planning stages nice. uh, to where we are now. Um, So a bit about cover, Uh, you absolutely nailed it when we said we're trying to make insurance radically better. Um, So what we mean by that is taking a really customer-centric approach um, and trying to fill gaps that the industry otherwise hasn't filled. Uh, So things like doing um, making pricing much fairer, as well as serving underserved customers like people who are very young or new drivers. Yeah. Uh, Collectively, what what do you think the conversation in the business is around that the problems are in or larger problems that are in the insurance space, do you feel? So I think the problem is things are very, uh, let's say, outdated and unflexible. The company actually started when Freddie, our CEO, uh, he was borrowing a friend's car, and he discovered if you wanted to borrow a friend's car, this would be a big faff where you had to get your friend to ring up their insurance company, add you on, probably pay a fee of some kind, uh, and that's, you know, a big problem. Uh, So that's when he came up with the idea that he was going to make cover. And the whole idea was going to be that you can get insured on a car for anywhere between one hour and 28 days. uh, And absolutely everything will be done within an hour. That is a problem that I see on a day. I don't see on a day to day basis, (laughs) um, but probably a month by month basis where it's an awkward scenario where you want to use someone's car or family, friends, and it just, well, I don't do it, but I've just never found it accessible. And you've got these conversations around, are you fully comp? Are you covered? There is a big gray area as well, because people tell me what my insurance is. So cover finds probably quite a nice solution to that, to be fair. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> we, we've spoken a little bit offline about the subscriptions part of the business. So it'd be good to understand that and what you guys do and what you're building. And then we can cover probably design some of the engineering behind cover itself. So do you want to talk a little bit about the subscription part of the platform? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So as we said, we started off with that short-term product. Uh, That was really successful. Customers loved it. Uh, But what we then wanted to do was go for the much bigger market. And that's so you're not just borrowing someone else's car now. Uh, This could be the insurance you use for your own main car and would replace the annual insurance that you currently have. Um, So traditionally in the industry, uh, you have to buy an annual, uh, you know, 
insurance policy. Um, and that can mean paying for a whole year up front, which can be very expensive, especially if you're a young or a new driver. Yeah. Um, but they do offer pay monthly, but that's still just the same annual policy, but with a premium finance product on top, uh, which can sometimes be uh, as high as like 39% APR. Yeah, uh, which is obviously very expensive. Um, so our subscription product is truly pay monthly, uh, and it has no deposit, no interest, and no fees for cancelling or anything like that. Nice. Okay, cool. Good idea. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that engineering part and the product and the design part. J- just give us quite a holistic view of what a cover might look like for a customer. Sure. So for a customer, hopefully it's going to be an absolutely amazing experience where they do everything via the app. Um, so you don't, go, you don't go via a um, comparison website. Yeah. Uh, they can have you know very long forms. They're doing pages and pages of information as to when you finally get the price. Uh, with our app, you hopefully go in, put your driving license in, put the reg plate in, and then you can play around with a few options, but you should then get a quote very quickly. Yeah. Okay. Um, talk to us a little bit about some of the engineering decisions then on on the subscription part because there are some really interesting points around um, languages used, some learnings along the way. We've talked a lot about testing, but talk to us a little bit about the engineering part on subscriptions. That would be good to unlock. Absolutely. Um, so Cover has decided to build the overwhelming majority of its platform in-house. And that's nice. essentially give us the flexibility to build the products that we want to do um, and, you know, design new things. Um, so with our, let, let's start off with the short-term product. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, do all the policy management, payment, notifications. Uh, those are all services we handle ourselves. And obviously we reach out to Stripe um, and other companies to do other things. But the overwhelming majority of our tech is in-house. Nice. Um, So when it came to the subscription product, uh, the bit that's so unique about it is we actually sell you a monthly policy every month, uh, as opposed, as I said, to the whole annual policy. So essentially, in order to be able to do that, you've got to be able to have some great tech and the flexibility to do this actually issuing and selling of a policy every month with very minimal overhead. And as I said, if you're only selling a one-hour long policy, you've really got to be doing this very seamlessly with no human involvement whatsoever uh, if you want to be selling one-hour policies. Okay. Um, So when it came to our subscription product, we already had our platform built up for our short-term product. Um, And I checked just the other day that we have just under 100 microservices. So it's all microservices that we use. So when we built the subscription product, uh, we set out to try and reuse as much of the platform as we possibly can. Because I said, we were already built up tons of experience and knowledge and code, all to do with car insurance. But of course, there are some key differences. I think you hit quite a nice note around, imagine selling an insurance quote monthly back to someone. So I, I was quite interested to understand where where does that get tough? You want to make something happen seamlessly for a customer. I, I thought that note was quite interesting. Can we touch on that? So with our subscription product, as I said, we're issuing a new policy every month. And bear in mind with the number of customers we have, that means we're issuing um, you know, a very high number of policies a day. And then you obviously have problems uh, such as payments failing, um, yeah. vehicles being scrapped, things like that. 
Okay. Um, so, so what we do is we space them out. We used to do them all at one time in the day. Um, but then that was essentially our systems actually held up remarkably well to that. But then other systems such as calling out for pricing or calling out to payments started to fail. Yeah. Uh, so we then had to change to spacing uh, them out between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. And we sort of run them nicely in that time to keep things more stable. Makes sense. And then you touch on the 100 microservices. So you checked this quite recently. 100 microservices. How long have you been building the platform for? Awesome. So the platform uh, started in around about 2015. As okay. I said, started with the initial short-term product. And it's building, building up and up from there. Um, in terms of services, we generally are constantly seeking to break things out into smaller services. Um, and again, it's that most developers here have, you know, one of the sort of things you might do early on after joining would be to make a new service to solve off some problem. Okay. How many are in the team? Collectively uh, engineering team? So engineering team, I think just within the back end, uh, we have around 12 people. Um, nice. If you then take in iOS and Android uh, and web, uh, that then comes up to about 30 people. Nice. Okay. We uh, and particularly you, um, because obviously I know the team are off to go for con, okay, which um, we'll talk about in the next couple of moments. But it would be interesting to understand a little bit about the history of the service and maybe why you've used some of the tech that you use, okay, for everyone listening, goes in play. We haven't had go on the show before. Excuse the rhyming, but we haven't had go on the show before. So it'd be useful to understand history of the service, if there's been any parts for rewrite. Talk to us about, if you can, where you can, those six years and really what's taken place and why you use Go. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, so our platform started out being all JavaScript. Um, and that was absolutely fantastic for basically getting things going quickly all worked brilliantly. Um, but then we saw as we were beginning to scale, uh, both in terms of sort of the number of customers we have, as well as the number of developers we have contributing to our code space, uh, code base, uh, that we needed uh, to move away from JavaScript and to something else. Nice. Uh, so we looked for other options before deciding on Go. Um, and then to go back to this, of our just under 100 microservices, currently 80 of them are in Go. Um, and yeah, and the other 20 in JavaScript. So that's obviously been that all new services get written in Go. Uh, we've done a few rewrites of from services from JavaScript to Go, uh, but at least of the services that we still have, they're sort of, let's say, low activity ones that don't get used so much. There's not so much of a need to rewrite them. Yeah. Um, but back onto why we picked Go. Um, so we needed some of the features that Go has, such as like type safety yeah. um, and also things that make it really easy to collaborate as an engineering team. Nice. Um, so as an example of one thing of that is the inbuilt formatting it has. Yeah. Um, so this is I love. It means that whenever you're doing any pull request ever, in hopefully there should never, ever be any arguments about formatting because uh, Go has an inbuilt formatting uh, style guide. So it's, do you meet that style? Yes, then there should be no questions asked. And that means, means you spend less time on the trivial things like formatting and then more time on the really important things uh, like solving your architecture. Nice. Okay. Were you involved in that decision? At all? Uh, I wasn't, sadly, no, because this was uh, before. So basically, as I joined was when we were 
making the move to go. Nice. Okay. Happy with the choice? Um, uh, absolutely. And then to, to build on, uh, so Go can be very opinionated. And to build on what I was saying about the formatters, when I um, was first using Go, I saw one of the formatters, you know, had some objection of something I'd done. I went to look at the rule I was breaking. I said, you know, I don't, I don't really like that rule. So I'll go and I go and Google, how do I disable this rule? Mm. And then the answer came back, you can't disable this rule. These are the rules. You can't change them. You can't. Uh, so then in theory, any Go code base you're working on uh, should be corresponding to the same formatting rules. So it's opinionated and obviously means you might not agree with it. But as yeah. I said, it does hopefully remove that eliminant, uh, like decision that you have to make. Yeah, I've always been fascinated by that point where choosing tools and technologies actually takes place. So was it literally a case of what do we need this language to do or our system to do and taking a load of research and collating that? Like, is it a whiteboard session? Does that happen? Everyone in a room on a whiteboard or not, uh, educate me. Um, let's have a think about it. So I know the primary reasons were we saw that we were making lots of like uh, foreseeable mistakes with JavaScript. So things that you could have picked up with linters of just using variables that don't exist. And then at the same time, as said, this lack of tooling that we didn't give us so much, uh, the yep. main that we really needed. And as, as your code base goes larger and larger, you do just need type safety in the system where you have types and can enforce things. Otherwise, it just all falls apart. So in terms of, obviously, as I said, there's tons of type safe languages you could choose from. But Go is one that's particularly good uh, for building out lots of different microservices or that nice. microservice architecture. And it also, I mean, we can touch on something that gives us tons of our benefits, uh, such as like built-in testing, multi-architecture support, uh, concurrency support. Things like that. Testing is quite a good one to touch on. We can touch on the GoForCon thing and how excited you guys and girls are in a sec. But testing while we're here, uh, again, you know, it is something that you and I have spoken about. And your approach to testing, I think, is quite unique as a team and as a business. So before we get into some of the testing that you do, um, just un- just help us understand your mindset or the team's mindset to testing and and then let's talk about why and how you do things. Ooh. Um, so I think the mindset we have is that testing basically always speeds you up. Obviously, it takes time to write those tests initially. Um, yep. But once you have written them, it means you can deploy a few bugs. And then the, I think the biggest thing is actually when you later want to come along and refactor your code, you can then do that with confidence, as well as the fact that I think it actually uh, pushes you uh, to writing good code in the first place. Uh, when you're writing tests, I think it forces you to write quite small functions that you can individually test. So I think one of the biggest benefits is actually it makes you write better code. Nice. Okay. Pen and security testing. Let's talk it. Absolutely. Uh, so Cover has a hacker one page, and that's uh, so essentially a bug bounty program. Uh, so there's lots of uh, sort of rules and terms and conditions. So it's essentially uh, you can go out and look for vulnerabilities uh, in in basically hmm. well in a very large uh, percentage of our technology stack. Yeah, uh, and then you can report them to us, uh, and then we reward you with Cover swag, essentially. Nice. Okay, that's <laughs> and I think cool. you even. Uh, on Hacker One, I think you award bounty as well. So you can say these are the top uh, hackers, you know, this month who found so many vulnerabilities. Uh, and and do people act actively and actually get involved regularly? 
Uh, absolutely, they do. And they find, uh, so what's so incredible and why you need it so much is people think of things that are really outside the box. So when, when you're building something security, you've, you know, you've, you've got one view and one mindset, but someone else just comes to look at your system and they just come at something that you completely hadn't thought about, hadn't foreseen. Uh, so it is really important to have people uh, who you don't know, who didn't work on your system, actually come along and look for vulnerabilities. Yeah, I'm I'm on it now. That's that's pretty cool. That's well, actually really cool well, for, for everyone yeah, listening. I'm going to find something. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, good luck with that. Really good luck well, with that. No, because as I said, it's very wide. Because I know one of the ones on there was we once had a link to a Facebook page that we hadn't actually claimed. Okay, um, so it doesn't even really have to be purely technical. Uh, it can be, you know, as I said, it's it's very wide scope, and it's, it's things like that that you can really easily forget and not think about. Okay, uh, I like that. That that's going to go in the um, links below for for everyone who's listening. But that's pretty cool. That that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, and then we can touch on um, some like customer facing security as well. Yeah. Um, so I know it's increasingly popular with apps. Uh, that to log in, you just use a magic link that's sent to your email. So we don't do passwords. Okay. Um, and that's because I know amongst uh, developers and techie people, they'll quite often use password managers. Um, but amongst, I'm going to say, normal human beings, uh, they quite often use quite <laughs> poor passwords. Uh, they reuse those passwords of other services. Uh, inevitably, one of those services then leaks uh, passwords. Uh, so generally, we looked at the concept and said, hey, Passwords are quite insecure. Um, yeah. So we opted to use a magic link. So you just type your email in and we send you a link. Um, yeah. Customers are then getting, because customers obviously used to username and password. Yeah. Um, so they can sometimes have a few problems with magic links, but this is becoming increasingly popular with other apps. So customers are getting more and more used nice. to it. Uh, what, what other value or what more value do you think customers are getting from the tech that you're using? That's quite a nice idea, uh, and I think the vulnerabilities is quite a nice idea as well because that's obviously going to give a customer a slicker experience. There's nothing worse than picking up your phone nowadays and something's buggy or there's like failure requests, yeah. things like that. So what else do you think you're doing in the engineering team that gives your customers that much value? Absolutely. Um, so with the flexibility that we're building to our products, one of the thing, uh, products that we have is smart pricing. And that's essentially, uh, you can opt in. Uh, and we look at the motion data on your phone. Obviously, you have to give permissions wow. to essentially evaluate how you drive. Um, one of the key things is then if you're a good driver, you can save up to a third on your car insurance uh, or anywhere in between. Um, so ultimately, that means building products such as that means that we can give lower prices to customers. And then that also means that we can, uh, we hope to move away uh, from these, let's say, discriminatory models where currently car insurance is priced on uh, how old you are, yeah. uh, what postcode you live in, uh, things that you could say are quite unfair. You know, if you happen to live in a, you know, an expensive postcode you know, you have to pay more. So yeah. it hopefully means that we can transition uh, away from that model of pricing and more towards how good or bad of a driver you are. Yeah. The, the surely that has to attract customers in. You need to scream Absolutely. that from rooftops. Because <laughs> um, as I said if you're uh, like a young or a new driver, sadly, car insurance is very expensive. Yeah. Uh, so saving up to a third could be big, big savings. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, and touching on that as shouting from the rooftops, you'll probably, I guess, invest in a lot more marketing, raise more funding, whatever the plans are, I don't know. But let's just say you're going to go through a scaling phase where you're acquiring and retaining a lot more customers, or you're in that currently, you'll provide us some context probably. But how, how do you think you'll cope as an engineering team? in that scaling phase or actually outside of engineering as well how do you think you'll cope in that phase uh yeah so absolutely we are scaling both in terms of uh number of customers uh number of subscribers as well as number of staff uh so in terms of customers uh we actually have over half a million customers for that includes uh people who've purchased our short-term uh, insurance nice. uh, so scaling is uh, absolutely always at the forefront of our minds yeah um in terms of engineering um, so we deploy everything on Kubernetes. Nice. Um, all our services, as I said, with Go, they're actually very efficient. And by that, I mean, they don't use much CPU and they don't use much memory. Yep. But if we wanted to go along and add more instances to our Kubernetes service, uh, obviously, in theory, it would scale up perfectly well. Nice. Um, we always we also use a bit of um, AWS Lambda, uh, which again, I say in theory, scales up well. And it does scale up well, but there's always things that you forget that you, um, you know, <laughs> that don't scale up well. Um, and then actually, I think the other part is um, in terms of processes, in terms of scaling. Um, so obviously, uh, in scaling isn't just a tech problem. It's yeah. also like a process problem when we have customer operations who deal with okay. customers. Um, so one of the things that we always have to be aware of is, as your number of customers grow and get larger and larger, these sort of quite unique, rare problems can yeah. actually become quite common. Um, so we're continually having to build uh, new tools and processes for our yeah. own internal customer operations to use, um, or even just automating something completely so you never even have to speak to customer operations, which is the absolute ideal. Yeah. Um, so that is absolutely always at the forefront of our minds. Okay, nice. Uh, from a back-end perspective, whatever you build, do you run it and own it as well, as in you, Andy, and 11 of the other engineers? Uh, absolutely. Um, so when we say build it, we obviously all develop it. Um, yeah. Generally speaking, sort of uh, different developers have like different uh, what's the word expertise around our system. Uh, yeah. So I'm very knowledgeable on the subscription one. Um, yeah. But in terms of uh, owning it, absolutely. So you build it, you design it, you deploy it. If something goes wrong, you fix it. Hopefully that doesn't happen too often. And hopefully it That's fixes why you it very quickly. Well. But, uh, exactly. <laughs> Nice. Okay. Um, go for con. Are you excited? Absolutely very excited. Uh, so Cover is uh, really proud to be one of the sponsors uh, for this year. Uh, and we've even got our very own Tiago uh, giving a speech at GoForCon. Uh, so do be sure to come along and listen to that. And we have a stand. So do please come and visit us. Right. Go on, Tiago. I love that. Everyone, <laughs> visit the stand. Um, nice. Okay. There, there's some... There's some really, really serious content in here, um, succinct content as well that's just given everyone uh, an overview of cover. Is there anything else that we haven't touched that you're keen to share, whether it's um, culture, whether it's engineering growth, any other facets of the business that you want to share with us? Ooh, um, I think... 
one of the things could actually be thinking about scaling and growing. Okay. Um, so one of the things we've done, I think, very well is on mobile app versions. And that's that if we're selling a subscription to someone, obviously, we hope that subscription goes on for a whole year. So you yep. really need to make sure that we support them for a year. Yep. Uh, so one of the things we do is when we're selling a new product, we make sure that sort of only people with, let's say, the later, uh, a latish iOS or Android version can purchase, because obviously, we drop supports uh, for various okay. iOS versions as we go over time. Um, so we're getting very good at making sure, forcing our customers onto the latest versions of our app, and also forcing that new customer sales uh, have to be on the late versions so that we can support them for a whole year. Okay, that's a good idea. Will Cover look to expand any of their engineering capacity at all? So if people are listening, um, you might have a stipulation for uh, Go engineers or have to come from a Go background or strongly typed background, whatever they are, but help us understand as an audience what Cover might be looking for, let's just say over a 12-month period. Absolutely. So I think we're currently hiring all types of engineers. That's iOS, Android, web, backend, and even engineering managers. Um, I'm the backend, so I'll speak about what the backend wants most. Nice. Um, so we do primarily code in Go, uh, but we don't um, make Go as a strict requirement uh, because obviously Go is a fairly new language, so it hasn't quite yet got the number of people uh, who are experts in it just yet. Yeah. Um, so ideally, you'd have a little bit of Go experience, um, but I think, as you said, anyone who's got experience uh, in any other sort of uh type safe language uh, would do brilliantly. Um, we're also looking for someone who's really passionate about the product and nice. fintech and maybe worked in a startup before. Cool. Okay. Product engineers not necessarily worked in a Go environment before. Uh, if you're passionate about fintech, even if you aren't super passionate about fintech, but I've got some smart ideas around testing want to build something that gets deployed at scale with some seemingly cool people who like to go to conferences, talk to cover and go and check out their vulnerabilities page as well on hacker one <laughs> links below <laughs> under here. Um, Andy, we've sped through that. That was pretty awesome. You've given us some really good insight into cover. I just want to say a massive thanks uh, we've got you guys in uh, the link as well underneath for hiring and things like that. So everyone listening, check them out. You're London-based. Uh, are you doing anything around remote as well or not sure? Um, so, yes, we are doing remote. Um, we currently have team weeks, so you had to come in with your team for five days um, for, for one week in a month. Um, but that was actually a trial. So really, at the moment, it's fully work from home, and you can come into the office if you want. There you go. All the freedom that you like. Everyone, no trains or planes, <laughs> buses, whatever else. Um, Andy, huge thanks for coming to join us. Everyone, get involved. Give these guys a thumbs up at GoForCon. Massive thanks from engineers. If we can give this a like, share, tell your friends, family, engineers, team, and whoever else can come and talk to us. That would be awesome. And Andy, massive good luck and big thanks. Big thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Cheerio. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching this episode. Uh, massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us, 
and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge, sharing and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks, guys.